Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, good morning. That was really weak. Good morning. Thank you very much. I feel a little better. Well, welcome to week three of Heart for the House. And first two weeks, Pastor Zach did, I think, a great job of just kind of leading us through about how we think about this area of our finances and our personal finances. And today I want to continue a little bit on in that conversation. And I want to take you on a journey, and uh, I want to take you on a personal journey. I want to share a little bit out of my life and Tammy's life, kind of where God has kind of ways that he's really moved us in this area. And so I hope today will be helpful. I hope it will be encouraging to you and uh, maybe even a little challenging for you today as we go. Big thought that I want to take some time to flesh out with you today is this. It's just the reality of this, is giving through your church rather than simply giving to your church. The idea of giving through your church rather than simply giving to your church. You see, I'm probably like you, I've got a vision, I've got a, a goal for what I want my life to, to represent. Um, I've got goals and values about the things that I want to really invest in and what I want to do with my resources and for Tammy and I, right, the goal for us is that at the end of our days that we've had a life of significance, that we've had a life of impact, and that over our periods of years, we haven't just simply accumulated stuff that someday my kids are going to have to sell on eBay. Now listen, that struggle is real in my household, because if you've ever been to my man cave, uh, I've got these shelves that I would consider life-changing memorabilia called bobbleheads. Um, my wife considers tacky knickknacks, and my kids consider, Dad, this is just junk someday we're going to have to sell on eBay, right? So this, this struggle is real. But beyond all of that, my hope is, right, someday at the end of my days that we as a couple and as a family have given towards things that really matter, that have eternal impact, and that go on far beyond ourselves. And I know for many of you, that's your desire, right? I want a life of significance. Nobody has a business plan that starts off by simply saying this, I want to accumulate a lot of stuff that someday my kids will have to sell on eBay, right? We, we have greater goals than that. Matthew reminds us in Matthew chapter 6, the, the challenge and the tension of the struggle, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 simply says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where neither thieves do not break in and steal. Matthew chapter 6 reminds us this. Listen, if we're not intentional, if we don't have a plan, if we don't have values that drive us, our natural default mechanism will always end up simply with stuff that rust and moth, moth uh, will destroy. That's why, it's crazy, the statistics. Lottery winners, think about this. Lottery winners are more likely to declare bankruptcy within three to five years than the average American. If you win the lottery, within the first three to five years, you're more likely to declare bankruptcy. It's crazy. Sports Illustrated has been sharing this statistic for years that four out of five former NFL players either go bankrupt or suffer severe financial distress within two years of retirement. Four out of five. Why? You have no plan? That's a plan. And the end of that plan... It's thieves and rust and moth will basically destroy. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you uh, about a plan. And I want to talk to us and have us begin to think about what are our values? What are the things that are driving our decisions and our investments? 
And so today, I'd like to share with you, if I can, uh, just a little bit more personally. I've never shared this before, but personally, for Tammy and I, what are the values? What are the grid that we run it through to deciding what we want to invest in and how do we want to have eternal impact? Now, what I want to share with you this morning, these are going to be our values. They may not be your values, but the point is you've got to have values because if you have no values and you have no plan, then we're going to end up again with moth and rust. We'll devour it all. So here's for us. Three in internal investment values uh, for us that we've had for years. Number one is simply this. A value is this, that the local church is the hope of the world. And I believe that's true. Let me tell you why I think the local church is the hope of the world. Number one, that the church is a beacon of truth to a morally corrupt world because we stand on the absolute unchanging truth of the word of God. That's a beacon of truth that exists nowhere else in our culture, in our time, than in the context of the local church. That the word of God, we can build our lives on this, that it is the ultimate truth. It's the truth of who Jesus is. It's the truth about the gospel. And it's the truth of how we should live our lives. It's a beacon. That's why I believe it's the hope of the world. I believe we're the hope because the church is an extension of God's love to a hurting world, right? Matthew chapter 5, right? Let your light shine before men why, in such a way that they may see your good works and ultimately do what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. And thirdly, I believe the, the church is the hope because we stand on the wall of intercession for the world. We're a holy priesthood who intercedes on behalf of a hurting world to our heavenly Father. So the church matters. It's a value for us, right? In, in a day and age where there seems to be the attitude, listen, you can either take church or leave church. It really doesn't matter. I want to remind you that it really does. This idea of the assembling together has great value and worth, probably more than any other time that it does. And so for Tammy and I, this is a value. It's not just a physical value for us. We've been in ministry together 32 years. I mean, there's not a Sunday, hardly, we're not in church of a church doing some kind of thing. It's not just a physical value in those 32 years, but it's an economic value. We've tithed to a church since we've been married and all together. And so when you think about all those years, listen, just being honest, we've given more money to the local church than we've given to any other thing in the context of our lives. Why? It's just a value to me. It's so significant and important. So why do we do that, right? That's a lot of money over a period of years. You could pay off a lot of things. You could live in twice a bigger house. You could do a lot of other things. This is why, listen, because the church is the bride of Christ. And if Christ puts this kind of value and worth on the assembling of us together, then I want to love the things that Jesus loves. And so just like my wife or my bride, right, this is not an optional relationship. This is not an optional investment that I have, even when things are hard. So for us, out of the values, that's one of our values that we've had in our whole life together. The second value is that national missionaries are critical for reaching the unreached people groups. It's kind of an interesting one, that national ministries are there. In the 20th century, right, missions, this idea of missions, missions has a whole new, it's a global concept, far more than it was even a century ago as we think about that. The U.S. will still send more missionaries to other parts of the world than any other country in the world, but it's interesting. Let me tell you about what countries are two, three, and four, and it's changed. Brazil 
is now the second leading country in sending out missionaries. It just passed up South Korea. South Korea is number three, and India is rounding out the top four. Here's an interesting question for you. What country are more missionaries sent to than any other country in the world? Got an idea? It's the U.S. More countries from other missionaries from other countries are sent to the U.S. than any other country in the world. Last year, 32,400 missionaries were sent from other countries here to the U.S. Fulfilling what, right? It's a value globally. It's, it's a great commission. Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples, what, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All the nations, right? Not just some of them, all the nations. So value. Value for me is when I think about the nations, I, I think a lot of this 1040 window. Uh, and you'll see it here. What, you may ask, what's the 1040 window? Let me just give you the official definition, right? 1040 window is a rectangular area of North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia between 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude. That's where we get the idea of the 1040 window. It's often called the resistant belt because it includes a majority of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. And most of the people living in this region are still waiting to hear the gospel for the very first time. So let me give you some insight into this part of the world and why for me, for us, this is a value that's there. Here's some insight. 1040 window. 50% of all the world's population lives in the 1040 window. Think about that. It's hard to believe. 86% of Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists do not personally know a Christian who live in a 1040 window. It's not are they, are Christians. They do not know a believer, 86%. 3% of all the missionaries worldwide are working amongst the most unreached. 97% of our missionaries we send out go to somewhere other than the 1040 window, is what we're saying there. And here's a staggering one. Only 2% of America's total missions donations are going to the 1040 window. So I'm interested, and for me and for us, it's a value in our life. I'm interested in where the largest group of non-reached people group are in the world. And in our lives, it's a desire to say, I want to be a part of the 2% that makes a difference. Now, this has been a passion for us, it's been a passion for me all my life. My parents were missionaries in Africa. I spent a few years there as a young child. Tammy and I, since 2010, at a global leadership conference, found out about microloans. And so we've been doing microloans since 2010 to the unreached people groups to help them in sustaining and different things. And I just want to be a part of the 2% who are trying to reach the most unreached people groups. It's a value for me and, and value for our family. Let me give you a third value. That investment in children and youth can change a family, which will change a community, can change a country, and ultimately change the world. It's like the great theologian Whitney Houston once said, right? I believe that children are our future, right? Teach them well and let them lead the way. <laughs> I believe in the value of changing the life of a child. And here's a picture. It's a really special picture for Tammy and I. So this is a, one of our good friends, couples. We take motorcycle trips with them every year. The power of this picture and a smile doesn't begin here. This was a story that began 25 years ago when their daughter came to a youth event that we had and Tammy got a chance to lead this young lady to Christ. Dynamic, fantastic young gal. She goes home, changes the life, shares Christ with her family, changes the trajectory of her entire family. And, um, and now Steve and Rhonda, great friends, 
are just dynamic couples of prayer and intercession who love their church, support their church. Steve actually found out when we were going to Bowling Green to help with tornado relief. He's like, man, I'm in my truck. I want to come be a part of what you guys are doing. He drives down here and be a part of it. Listen, all that happens because 25 years ago, <laughs> in the highest percentage of when people come to know Christ in those young, formative years, Tammy had the privilege of leading this young gal to Christ, and it's changed the trajectory of generations in that family. And this is a truth, probably like you, I've seen over and over and over again. It's the power of changing the life of a child. I'm sitting in the jungles of Nicaragua leading some evangelism services, and my interpreter, Juan, who I get to spend basically the entire week with, get to hear a little bit of his story. He's in a village in the middle of Nicaragua, and a short-term missions team comes to his village, and through the teaching as a young child, he comes to know Christ. Radically changes and transforms his life. Connects with a couple back from the States who helps him financially to be able to finish his schooling. He finishes his schooling. Now as an evangelist in his country and having this great impact in the country of Nicaragua. More importantly, he's hope and he's a model and a role model to kids in his own village who think they'll never get out of poverty and never get out of this situation. He gets to share this is the difference that Jesus has made in my life. He can make it in your life. Why? It all began with one child because if you can change a child... <laughs> You can change a family, you can change a community, and ultimately I think you can change a country. So for my family, as I think about the investment of life, right, three values that drive that. I want to invest in the local church, I want to invest in on-reach people groups, and I want to invest in children. So I give, here's the key, right? So I give out of a sense of a cause and a purpose and a value. I, I don't give out of obligation and spiritual duty. I don't just want to check a box like I gave this back to the Lord. So I can, no, these are things that resonate. At the end of my day, I want to matter. These three things matter to me. And so I give out of a sense of those. So I, I, I do that. The sentiment, this really idea has really grown and took really, I think, really root in my heart. It's probably a couple decades ago. And I heard a, a, a sermon from Andy Stanley, and it was simply entitled Be Rich. And it was out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it really changed me. First, let me read the passage. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 19, and it simply says this. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to set their hope on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So this is what you do if you're rich. Verse 18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to be ready to share, storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, when I first read this, I thought, oh, that's a really great verse. Here's what's beautiful is it's really talking about those that are rich, and I don't really feel rich, and I don't think I am rich, and so it's really not for me, so I can just kind of enjoy because he's talking to somebody else. You ever felt that? But the passage doesn't say, for those who feel rich, right? No, that's not the case because I was like, I don't feel rich. I'm not even the richest person in my block, right? This doesn't apply to me. But I'm reminded as I go back and read it, it doesn't say command those who feel rich in this present world or who are rich by U.S. standards. Uh, no, it says those who are rich in this present world. In other words, a global perspective. So let me give you a global perspective on what it means to be rich. And these statistics haven't changed probably in the two decades since I first came across this. Here's the reality. Still today, one-third of the world still lives on less than $2 a day third of the world. If you have 
$210 to your name, you are in the top 50% of wealthiest people in the world. Pretty amazing. $4,210, you're in, top 50. You're already there. If you have a net worth of $93,170, then you are in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the entire world. Woo! You know, I share that, and nobody ever cheers. Nobody's like, wow, dear, we made it. I've got $4,000. I'm in the top 50 or 93,000. Top 10% wealthy. No, it never creates any energy for us. Like, but it is a profound truth that most of us in this room are rich in this present world. And for me, a couple decades ago, I had to come to that acknowledgement of that. Not what I feel. This is the reality. And it was really hard to say out loud, but it was important. I am rich in this present world. In fact, I'm blessed. I'm in the top 10% of the entire globe. So if I am, then there's a responsibility. There's a privilege. There's an opportunity to leverage that wealth in, in such a way. And so if I am that, then I have to change my thinking, and I have to, because, see, rich people are investors. They don't just live week to week, right? They seem to have a plan. They seem to have a purpose. They seem to value certain things. So if I am rich in this present world, then what is my purpose, right? What do I value? What am I doing with it? So as a rich person, I value three things for Tammy and I. I value the church. I value the gospel, and I value the next generation. And what I love is this. What I love about church is that it provides me a way to give to the things that I truly value and have valued for decades. So I give through the church. I don't just give to the church. And what I love about this church is that it loves the things that I love. That's easier for me because, let's be honest, I'm the senior pastor here, right? So I have the ability... <laughs> Right to influence directional emphasis of our church, and I unapologetically certainly have, and if you look close, you will see that pretty clearly, right? But let me share with you how these three values can be realized and are realized in the context of our church here at, at Lex City, and ultimately ask you today how you can join me in investing, I think, in some of these things that have immense eternal impact. First value, it's the value of the local church, right? The gathering of a local group of believers in a city called Lexington, Kentucky, at a group we call Lexington City Church, we value, we gather each week to gather, to worship, and to study God's word in these things. This little gathering of who we are, right, 64 ministries in our city that we partner with uh, are better, they're more equipped. They're a better resource because of our relationship together and what we do together. And I love the idea that we add value there. Around 600 folks meet every single month in something we call groups in different shapes and different sizes to do community and life together. That's amazing to me. Every Sunday, and this Sunday, you know, about over 900 folks will join online and watch consistently every week, sometime throughout the week, to join us in study and, and join us at our worship service that we do. And so these things they really matter to us. And, and on a personal level, right, for Tammy and I, this is a value that we have, and so we love to invest in it. Just being open, right, transparent with you, say, like, 
The second largest check I write every single month is to this church. Our goal as a couple is that that soon will become the largest check we write every single month. And we're as close in our lives with our kids out of the house as we've ever been. And all those kind of things are there. Why? Because it's just something we believe in and we value. And so the idea is, again, we want to invest in it. Second value, the spread of the gospel, especially to the most unreached people groups, is something I want to support, right? I want to be a part of the two percenters that bring the gospel to the places nobody's brought the gospel to. I, I, I want to be a part of it. So if you've been here at Lex City for any period of time, you know we have this amazing relationship uh, with India and the partnership that we have there. And so I want to remind you a little bit about that uh, today that we are part of the 2% that's giving to this 1040 window that I mentioned. So you may ask, well, why are we giving to India? There's lots of easier places to give to. There are hoops with the persecution there. There are challenging things we've got to do to have that partnership. So why would we bother to do this with India? Let me remind you this, that India is home to over one-third of the unreached people groups in the world. Out of all the 1040 window, India's got a third of them. There are over 1 billion people in India who don't know Jesus. 2,445 people groups in India who have never heard the good news before. That's why India is important to us. Because a third of the unreached people group in the entire globe live right there. And so for 13 years, we've partnered with India by investing in national pastors who are planting churches where the gospel has never been before. Again, a value. I believe that national missionaries are the best way to reach unreached people groups. So for 13 years, we've been doing that. Just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dave and uh, Michaela and John Music and myself got a chance to go to India to see how our investment and what difference it's making. We went to a pastor's conference there. And uh, let me just give you a little update about what our time was like there in India. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and it's 550 churches that are there. India. 1040 Wendell, most unreached people groups out of there. The most unreached place and the most unreached places in northern India. Uh, we are now moving and planting brand new churches in the northernmost other part of India that don't have an evangelical church anywhere around. And uh, we're really on the front lines of that. And we get to be a part of that. That's what I love. I get to give, I'm just speaking personally, I get to give to something greater than myself that would go on far beyond it. So on a personal level, right? I, I tithe to my church out of obedience, what the God calls me to do, but out of generosity, because I am rich in this present world, out of generosity and sharing, I give every month to our missions fund and we support Compassion Children and do all these things out of a generous heart. Why? Because it's just a value that I want to drive to what I invest my life into. So because of these things, it, it's great. When you give to our missions fund every week, and again, it's just a way for us to give through our church and not simply to our church. And that third one is a former youth pastor. Um, I value the investment in the children and, and the students and into that generation because I've seen the impact of that investment in those formative years. I mean, today, Pastor Zach and I, uh, we've got a whole bunch of kids that we still connect with that when we were youth pastors for them years back. And we've got kids who are literally on the mission field today, pastors in the local church City officials, some of them got elected this last term, was so great. Pro athletes, business leaders, amazing godly parents, people who are engaged wholeheartedly in supporting and leading their local churches at a volunteer level. And what I'm reminded of this, of these formative years really, really matter. 
At a time when young people are trying to decide, is their faith their own or is it their parents' faith or their grandma's faith? Listen, if we can invest that into them, these years really matter. So Lexington City Church, right? We partner with Compassion International for that very purpose. We really believe this, that if we can help free kids from poverty in Jesus' name, it makes such a difference. And so what I love about our church, right, we have chosen to support an entire village in Guatemala. Over 200 kids right now that we sponsor together. There are new kids. If you go to our webpage, there are new kids waiting to be sponsored. If you've never sponsored a child and want to join us in that process, go to our church webpage. You can sponsor a child right there. But what I love about what we are doing together, right, is we're not just changing the life of that child. Many of you have got to see, meet your child. We're changing the life of their family. We are literally changing that community in a powerful way, and we are reinforcing and championing the local church in that community. So we sponsor over 200 kids together. We've built a school in that community. We'll go back and visit here as soon as we can again and do those things. Why? It's just a value. Change the life of a child, I can change everything. And what I love about that investment in the life of these kids is listen, we have not fully experienced the fruit of that investment. We've taken a long term approach, right? Tammy and I, I, we can't wait to see when our three kids that we're sponsoring, what they, how God uses them when they become adults, when they're in these college years, what God does with them in an incredible way and what impact they have. Because I know this. I can't solve the political problems of Guatemala. I can't solve their economic problems. I can't solve their health struggles. I can't solve their spiritual struggles. But who knows, maybe one of the 200 kids that you and I sponsor together will solve that. Maybe God will put them in a place of influence and they'll be the folks that are agents of change. Because I believe the hope lies in the children, so I invest in them through my church. Let me close out. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 9 gives us this perspective again about how we think about it. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, the point is this, right? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, right? Not reluctantly or under obligation or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that you may abound in every good work. For as it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. In verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Second Corinthians, how, how do we need to think about our giving? It simply says this, be cheerful, be God honoring in our giving and he will bring increase. And when we are generous, it produces thankfulness to God. In other words, it all starts with God. If we do it right, it all ends with God. He provides, we're generous, he gets the glory for what he does. So as we close out, can I just remind you even today how you can join us in investing through even the ministry here at Lex City. As you know, every year, month of November and December, these are critical months for us as a church family, and it comes in the area of our finances as we hit year-end giving, and this year is no different. Last year, together, y'all were so generous in these last two months that it really 
helped us meet our goals and you positioned us in a point of health that we could absorb. It's been a challenging year economically for the whole country and everything else, and we've been able to absorb that. We're now six months left in this fiscal year, and uh, we need another strong finish in light of all things to position us where we need to be for 2023. And so I just want to invite you to consider joining and be a part of that. Last year we did this. I want to encourage you to do it again this year. Uh, in the seat backs in front of you, there's a little card. If you're joining on this line, go to lexcity.info. There's a little QR. And our Double Up campaign has just been something we've asked the last two years, and God's really blessed it, and you've been so generous with it. And the Double Up simply works this way. A consideration for you to just double your tithe, either in the month of November or in the month of December or in the months of both November or December or give some kind of special year-end gift, but a way to just kind of help us position and meet the needs that we have a church family for this next year. And so, again, those are your seatbacks. I encourage you to consider prayerfully joining us in that. I love giving to what I believe in, <laughs> and I love giving to what I truly value. And I love that I can do all of that through my local church. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we just we thank you again for the reminder and the wonderful privilege and responsibility we have to just be good stewards of what you've invested to us. God, just on a personal level, I thank you that the things that I really want to matter in my life, the value of the local church, to be a city on a hill, a beacon of light in sometimes a dark culture and a dark society. I love the power of the gospel to reach really the darkest, most unreached places of our world and I love to be a part of that. And I love the value of investing into the next generation. Because cultural change, family dynamics, generational sin, generational bondage are broken through newness and freshness. And you seem to do that through the lives of young people so many times. So God, wherever each one of us is in that, help us today to just walk away thinking I've got to value something got to make an investment. I want my resources to matter. And the beauty is you've created this thing called the local church that we can give through to accomplish those goals and values. So Lord, even in our own hearts, Lord, you know the needs of our church family. You know what these last six weeks, the significance of it. And so we continue just as we do every week, just to trust you to meet those needs that we can fulfill the vision and ministry that we feel you have called us to do. So we love you and we trust you in that. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for a chance just to gather, to be encouraged, and to see you more clearly. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.